It's Friday, February, February, girl. No, it's March 11th. Anyways, let's go. <laughs> it's Friday, March 11th, y'all. And you're listening to Narratives from the Black Diaspora and beyond. Let's do it. Becoming a parent is exciting, terrifying, and joyful, right? I don't have kids, but I know how it goes. And so today's episode, I was so excited to sit down with an amazing doula, a birth worker, a black woman who is out here supporting other black women and black parents on their journey. Okay, she is awesome. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. My name is Joy McAfee. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Ah, yes, a fellow Minnesotan. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Joy. I guess my first question is, what is a doula and why has there been this growing interest in doulaship over the past few years? The word doula, it has origins in the Greek language. And in the Greek language, it originally means female slave or servant. There are a lot of birth workers, particularly, that do not like that terminology, that do not like to be equated with the the word doula, with the word slave, with the word servant. And so birth worker is the, the word of choice for those of us in the field, male, female or non-binary that are providing support to families during their pregnancy or during their postpartum time of healing, or even if they are a full spectrum doula, are providing support as families navigate loss or abortion, things like that, or even a fertility journey. There are all different types of doulas, those that are workers, support workers that are providing support to families. There are death doulas, doulas that provide support to families that are in the grief process or navigating the laws and all of the moving pieces that come along with losing a loved one or family member. There are also, as I said, postpartum doulas. That's what I am. There are birth doulas, uh, full spectrum doulas, as I said, as well. There are many different types of doulas providing support but it really boils down to a person, a support person that is providing support, encouragement, resources, advocacy for families that are navigating a gamut of things. What a fantastic explanation of doula work. I appreciate the spectrum doulas being mentioned and the postnatal doulas as well. We often kind of glaze over what goes on and what's happening to a woman or AFAB person's body after giving birth. There is a lot of work that goes into postnatal care as well. There's a lot of energy and intention placed on preparing for a baby to be coming earthside, to be born. But what happens when you leave the hospital and you have to navigate your own healing along with starting out on your parenting journey and making decisions 
with caring for your infant is the start of a parenting journey, along with navigating the transition in your relationship. If you're raising that child with a spouse or a partner, there's just, there's a lot to navigate alongside of navigating all that is your own internal thoughts and feelings, the grief, or maybe coming to terms and getting acquainted with the change in your life of opening a new chapter. Sometimes, like I said, there's grief associated with that. And sometimes there's just a need to understand it. Sometimes there's just a need to work through that transition or identify that transition and who comes alongside of families to do that. Well, in our community, it it absolutely has been in the past family members, maybe sometimes friends, maybe sometimes a church or a third space community that will come alongside a birth person after they have birth to provide meals, to hold a baby, to see or smell a baby, <laughs> to get acquainted with the birth story. But really all that boils down to is hospitality. Then the birth person and the birth person's partner or spouse becomes the host to these people's wants and needs instead of being able to reap the benefits of having support. Because how did the dishes get done when you're yet navigating your own pain and healing? How does the laundry get done? How does taking care of baby in the middle of the night with little to no energy and while you're navigating pain, what does that look like? And so having a support person postnatal, i.e. a postpartum doula, to navigate all of that with and sometimes for a family is really the difference between thriving during that time and simply just trying to survive that time. And as sacred as that time is, because you're starting a brand new huge journey, how important is it to have the proper amount of support, the proper amount of resources, the advocacy you need? It's it's a game changer. And I'm happy and blessed to be a part of it. What sparked your initial interest in doulaship? Was it a person? Was it a specific life event or idea that had come to mind? That is a really great question and honestly, a very intimate question for me, but I'm happy to answer it. I have two children, my 12-year-old son and my soon-to-be seven-year-old daughter. In my pregnancy with both of them, my husband and I were very young, newly married. We had only been married almost a year when we found out that we were pregnant with my son. We had anticipated, because of my mother's fertility journey, we anticipated that our journey was going to be a lengthy one, and in that, it would take us a long time to conceive. And so we started on our our journey, and lo and behold, had our son within the first year, which was surprising and exciting and concerning. When When you're brand new to being married, there was a lot for us yet to figure out, and Financially, we weren't where we really wanted to be, to be honest. And we were living in a one-bedroom apartment. And so we just had to figure out how to navigate all of the start of our our parenting journey. From pregnancy, my pregnancy with my son was high risk. I had gestational diabetes. My blood pressure was out of control. There was a lot going on. And then on top of that, navigating a change to my, my work. I had been working for U.S. Bank at the time. This was when the housing market just started crashing and I ended up, (laughs) I ended up getting laid off 
at the time. And so that was difficult to navigate too. So navigating all that new and different, all those changes and hoping to lean into our family for support, I realized very early on in that leaning into family that it it tends to be more of hosting, hosting of their thoughts and their advice and their concerns and their suggestions instead of ascending off into my journey or even a support as I navigate figuring out what it was that I needed or wanted or what my options even were. Navigating all that and then getting to the end of being pregnant and bringing our son home, I started really struggling with the the grief that was the change in me, the change of being a wife and mother now, the change of how are we going to afford all of the new responsibilities that come with the baby on top of the hospital bills? How are we going to afford and navigate all that came with birthing in the hospital? Because that is a system that was not created for us. And we experienced that firsthand, both my husband and myself. And there was a lot to navigate in and through that as well. And also even looking back at my own childhood and everything that I experienced as a child and wanting and everything I wanted to be as a mother, I found myself really spiraling into postpartum depression. I I refused that that's what I was going through. But after seeing my doctor and breaking down at my six to eight week appointment, she really helped me see as a woman of color, this is what it looks like for us. There are many representations at the time. There was lots of representation of what postpartum depression, postpartum mood disorder looked like for our white counterparts. But even through celebrities, especially through celebrities, but really didn't have a working knowledge of what that looked like on us, on me as a Black woman. And so to have my OBGYN as a Black woman point out to me, this is what it looks like for us. And here's some support options for you was really, really helpful. But what I realized I needed in that moment, not just looking back, but even having a full working knowledge at that time, what I needed in the moment was someone to break up the isolation that I was feeling and come alongside to say, this is how we do this while we're also navigating these things. This is how we get the laundry done and make sure that baby's in a safe place. I I didn't know how to baby wear at the time. I didn't know, you know, all I knew was I I can't leave my baby on the bed, so I can't get the laundry done, right? All I know is I, I can't lay my baby on his stomach, so I can't really get the or put him on the floor. So I can't really get the the dishes done. So a lot of things went by the wayside and all the time that these things are adding up, you're starting to think how you're not showing up as a parent, how you're not mothering correctly. And that also caused a spiral for me. And sometimes for others as well, it can cause a spiral. And so what I realized I needed was the type of support that looks sacred, that makes the time, the postpartum healing time not just make sense, not just livable, but special, magical, sacred. And so that is the type of support that I offer to my clients now. 12 years ago, understanding and still feeling very tied to that time, knowing what it is that I needed and what support should look like and what our birthright is as Black women to receive the support of the village. That is what caused me to start this particular type of work. We've got so many birth doulas. There's so much energy and excitement and knowledge about advocating for families while they're birthing in the hospital 
about providing them with the bedside care, particularly for Black women, to help reduce disparities in birthing outcomes. But what about afterwards? What happens after? It's great to have someone checking in, a birth doula checking in, but what about having someone to break up that that isolation and the heavy and hard every day? And that's what I do. I do it lovingly and intuitively, and it's absolutely where I need to be. Thank you for sharing such a powerful and touching and very personal experience and journey into motherhood and how you got yourself into doula work. I have a sister who's pregnant right now, and I'm just so protective of her. And I want to provide that village support, as you said, that birthright that we have as Black women. It's, It's crazy how challenging, frightening, exciting, and really special parenthood can be. And so having that support during your pregnancy is important. And I have a deeper respect for what doulas do. Thank you so much. It's it's so great to hear that. I mean, the work in and of itself, there comes with a lot of thanks from the client as they're receiving it or after they've received it, which feels good, right? But there are a lot of times as we're providing support to families that we wonder, is my sacred equal to their sacred? Is my idea of support equal to their idea and need for support? And so it's great to hear that there are folks that hear about this type of support and feel that it's needed and feel that it's special and important. So thank you for that. What were your family and friends' reactions to the news that you were going to be a doula? Did they want to know what a doula was? Like, how did they feel about it? So when I was pregnant with my son, I had started working. I had been working with U.S. Bank for at least five years. And then I was laid off. After that, I started working at a daycare. And I was a pre-K teacher for many years. And after that, I took a position working at a church where I was an administrative assistant for a church plant. And so a lot of my family is like, okay, there's been a lot of changes, Joy. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've gone through a lot of changes in your life career-wise, and we we see that you're you're figuring it out. But when I told them what a doula does and explained to them the difference between a birth doula and a postpartum doula and what my work will entail, they asked me two questions. One, what does doula mean? And that caused me to research the word, the root of the word. And research, and that helps me to research my identity and how I wish to show up as well. Am I a servant? No, (laughs) I'm not a slave, Um, but I do hope to serve, to be of service to families that I provide support to. And the second question that they asked me as well was, (laughs) what is a doula and um, why didn't you start doing this when we were having babies? (laughs) Right, what about us? Right, so that was the question they were asking is, we wish we had you when we were bringing bringing babies up in the world or having our children, things like that. And so that's, it's amazing. Also, another thing that I hear from my family and friends a lot is this is who you were born to be. This is who and what you're supposed to be doing. When I tell them about, or when I'm reminded by them about every career that I've had, they remind me that those were all steps to get here. Learning about finances for through a small business as through working for a U.S. bank and also 
having an understanding as well of daycare and infant development and child development through my time working at the daycare and family needs and the balance of family needs and communicating with families on their parenting journey all stemmed from there. And then also being able to manage the administrative piece as well as the heart and service piece that come alongside with running uh, the administrative portion of a church. So having all of those experiences really did prepare me for owning my own business and providing support to families that is sacred. I really like the word that you're using, which is sacred. The whole process, the whole experience of just stating <laughs> a whole human being is sacred. And yes, we have been having children since the dawn of time. It is not anything new, but that doesn't make the experience any less life-changing. Absolutely. I, I completely agree as well. And no matter what, no matter what, becoming a parent will change you. It changes your identity. It does. Not just in the title, not just in the addition of a hat to wear, but also in in the way that you communicate, in the way that you live your life, in the way that you navigate challenges, because children are always watching. And because you are on that journey with the outcome of sending into the world a whole human being, that's going to change you. There is a historical distrust between African-Americans and medical professionals. Modern obstetrics has really dark origins for Black women in particular. What are your thoughts on the reported maltreatment of expecting Black parents? And how do you find ways to combat preconceived notions? I see it in every client and every family that I have the privilege of serving. That as they're sharing with me their birth story, the story of their pregnancy journey, I hear all the different ways in which they felt that the medical professionals that were charged with their care didn't meet the mark. Whether it be being spoken down to or whether it be appropriating words in order to create a connection like sister or girlfriend or mm -mm. Right. even when... <laughs> Just, just no. disrespect. That's straight. <laughs> just no. The way I cringe just now. Ah! All the no's. All the no's. Things that I hear as well from clients when they're speaking about their experience as they're birthing even. And the understanding that many of the medical professionals will have this kind of back of their mind understanding that if they are a Black woman, if this is a Black family, they have a higher threshold for pain. And so they will hold off with interventions. And it's not at the request of the of the client, of the patient, of the family that I'm serving. Most times it comes from the understanding that is taught to medical professionals that women of color, in particular Black women, have a higher threshold for pain, which is unfair and a form of, honestly, a form of torture. There's so many other things. I mean, we can talk about baby daddy paperwork, paternity paperwork that gets pushed to families. My family was one of the families that experienced that. My husband and I are a whole married couple. 
and still received the request for us to fill out baby daddy paperwork, paternity paperwork when our son was born and also when our daughter was born to the point where our son was born and we had to have a change of paperwork. We had to do a formal change of paperwork because they gave us the wrong paperwork to sign. My husband was half asleep and exhausted, filling out all the paperwork out and sending it back in. And when we got all of our insurance paperwork, our our medical insurance actually contacted us and said, are you all not married? Is this not your child? And we said, yes, we are married. This is absolutely 100% his child. Is it, well, you have paperwork here that is paternity paperwork. You'll need to have that refiled. I forget the proper name for it, but we had to go through that whole process. And why? Because the nurses and the medical professionals in charge of my care, in charge of my husband's care, in charge of my child's care, made an assumption based on our skin color, based on what they think is uh, the average for families of color. And so navigating those things and understanding that those things are things that families beginning in their parenting journey are navigating is heavy and hard. There's a lot to process and walk through just as you're coming home from the hospital. Sometimes even while you're there in the hospital, the microaggressions, the words, (laughs) the choice of words, the choice of actions. And then there's also the bigger things that come down to paperwork, paternity, insurance, things like that. The care that a family will receive while they're birthing and in pain as well. And then even in the six to eight weeks, as you're healing, there's such a high rate of a high disparity with with lactation as well. And so families that are hoping to nurse or working on nursing or entering their nursing, their journey with breastfeeding or human milk feeding rather, it's really important for them to get the type of support that is sacred to them to start that journey off well. And a lot of times that is not the case because they're not finding IBCLCs of color, or they just don't know where to find them, where to look, or the resources aren't being made available to connect families of color, particularly Black families with Black IBCLCs or lactation consultants that are certified. And so that's also a challenge. And then the last piece being as well in navigating postpartum is there's a lot of bleeding, physical bleeding that is happening with the birth person after they are sent home from the hospital. The right amount of bleeding that doctors have been told or have been taught in medical school is it's actually very cookie cutter understanding where Black women of color, especially, we will pass more clots. There's a lot more bleeding. And a lot of the mortality rate, the maternal mortality rate that we're seeing is surrounding the amount of blood and the the clots that Black women are passing that medical professionals don't have a strong understanding of. And so to have a woman of color that is a postpartum doula that has received training from other women of color, culturally competent, evidence-based care training is what I'm talking about. And so to have that, to have a doula that is evidence-based trained, culturally competent trained, has an understanding as well from their own navigation of their own medical health, it's crucial to not just, again, not just surviving, but thriving and also It's crucial in reducing the disparities between maternal morbidity rates in Minnesota and throughout the United States. To answer the second part of your question, as far as how do I connect families with care during their postpartum time while they're navigating these systems and structures that are that are not made for us, that are creating more boundaries than they are creating bridges. There is an incredible circle of African-American birth workers in Minnesota. And I feel incredibly privileged to be a part of that circle where I can lean into other birth workers of color and ask for their expertise or send clients to them. 
I also have the opportunity as well to reach to other birth workers of color or black birth workers as well in other states. I have a mentor that's incredible that's in Texas that has been doing this work for over 15 years. And so I have the opportunity as well to lean into her for tell me Tell me what we can do for a family that is navigating this particular challenge. I'm seeing this particular thing that I haven't experienced before in my postpartum career. What do you suggest? So it's great to be able to pull into each other. And also if we're seeing that a client may need postpartum herbs for healing, for an herbal tea bath, we can lean into each other and say, hey, who's got postpartum herbs that they've created for tea baths? I'd love to purchase some from you to provide to a client. So we are constantly in support of each other, even to the point where if someone is not able to cover a shift, someone might be sick in their family, something may have come up on the schedule, we're able to make suggestions this postpartum doula or this doula is able to step in and provide seamless care to this family as well. So it's incredible. Plus, there are so many other practitioners that these birth workers know and have worked with that they can suggest chiropractors that are not just advocates, but allies. They can suggest other folks, other birth centers, midwives, cranial craniosacral. <laughs> Sacral sacrum therapy. Oh my goodness! I barely say it myself. <laughs> they can barely say it, but they can pronounce. Or they can they can pronounce it. Yep, and they can also suggest CST therapies, lactation consultants, IBCLCs as well, and also childbirth educator classes that have a heavy focus on being your own advocate or how to find an advocate when you are birthing as well. It's it's incredible. There's really isn't a part of the journey that you have to go through alone. There are so many birth workers out here that are willing to create a village to surround families, particularly Black families, with the support that is our birthright that was once and still is now. It's incredible. Having a child really is an all-hands-on-deck type of situation. From the birth parents to the birth workers, everyone is taking care of one another and fostering a network really that supports the whole process from beginning and beyond that. You mentioned something really cool earlier, which is the ICBCLCs. You know, I'm I'm butchering, here I go. <laughs> I'm butchering it too. But yes, ICBCLC stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Are lactation consultant services generally not offered to families of color? I am genuinely curious. From what you were mentioning earlier, it sounds like they can be quite difficult to access. So this is a three-part question because, I mean, it, the trickle-down starts with uh, getting your IBCLC certification. So in the IBCLC certification, it's expensive, so there's a barrier. The time that it takes, and in some cases, there are some college courses required in order to have the IBCLC certification. So those, that's also a barrier. And so for women of color or for people of color in general, to be able to provide support to other people of color uh, as an IBCLC, there's a lot going on there. And also there's a very close tie to the Leche League with I IBCLCs. The Leche League was originally formulated by white Catholic women that wanted to create a support group for their breastfeeding selves. But these are the same white Catholic people that had mammies 
Black women nursing their children. And so to say that they were the know-all, you know, know all the information and have all the information necessary to support one another, but also to support other women of color on this journey as well, while also being very disclusive, not inclusive, rather, discluding as well, with all of the racism and things that were going on over time as the Leche League was yet meeting. With that very close tie, there's a lot of birth workers of color that have wanted to have some pushback, that have wanted to challenge the IBCLC's tie with the Leche League as well. And so all of that, and then the laws as well for IBCLCs in other states. There's been talk, in, even in Georgia, that IBCLCs cannot practice without a medical license, that you have to be a doctor or a registered nurse in order to provide postpartum care or lactation care or consultations to clients simply because the governing board, if there were a maltreatment or if there was a an issue of some kind, the IBCLC's governing board doesn't have as strong disciplinary actions as an RN would have or as a doctor would have. And so for those reasons, uh, there's many different laws in different states that do not allow an IBCLC to practice without an actual medical license. And so that's also a barrier because I know me at 38 years old, I'm going to struggle with going back to school to get my doctorate or my RN in order to become a, a certified IBCLC, especially with running a family and a business at this time. And so again, there's another barrier. So that's one piece to the puzzle. That's the first part. The second part being that the hospital has a different set of rules as well for having people to come into hospitals, providing IBCLC support. They're looking for certifications. They're looking for trainings. They're looking for all sort of paperwork and information required in order to be in that space to provide families with support. And so that's also a barrier as well. When we have been doing this work for literally ages, providing even our white counterparts with lactation, with nourishment for their children. And now we have to go into a white space to provide paperwork, certification, proving that we're worthy of doing this work with our own people. It's a struggle. It's a barrier as well. And then the last part being that there are IBCLCs, certified lactation consultants, and a whole slew of lactation-educated folks, birth workers out here that are hoping to provide support to families of color People can't see that we're out here. People don't know that we're here or know our names or know how to reach out to us. A lot of people have made themselves seen on Instagram in order to get a word of mouth kind of flowing that this is available to you, that they are available to provide support. Being able to advertise or share what we do or who we are, how we can provide support to families in their time of need, lactating, that's also a barrier as well because it, it takes money, it takes time, it takes small business know-how, some ingenuity and creativity, of course, as well, for us to have some ways of being seen. Even though I understand the legal reasoning behind it, I still think it is a huge barrier to not allow lactation specialists to have some, I guess, different form of certified training that wouldn't take so much time, money, and resources. My hope with this podcast episode is that we continue to increase visibility to the work that's being done by doulas, midwives, and other birth workers. Thank you. Visibility is the word I could have
I've seen some jokes on social media here and there about people saying that having a doula is very bougie. <laughs> very much, you know, hands off, darling. But it's not like that at all. And it actually kind of seems taboo at times. Like, how dare you have someone else take care of your baby? I believe that it is a taboo because it's something for the rich. You know, it's it's viewed as a luxury it's viewed as something that celebrities get, something that people with a lot of money that don't have a lot of time for being hands-on with their family get, and that's not true. Our community, our tribe, our village surrounds us when there's a huge change in the chapters of your life, like starting out on your parenting journey. We all need that support, that sending off in order to have an experience, a beginning, that helps us to bolster up the type of confidence that we need in navigating the new. How can listeners support doula work? What are the ways that we can show up for Black women and really all the Black birth workers who are currently helping families as they navigate their birth journey? Wonderful question. A lot of times, when families are thinking about receiving postpartum or birth support from a doula, the very first barrier that they encounter is cost. As exciting as it is to buy the cute frilly baby clothes and the little handsome blue baby clothes, uh, as exciting as it is to purchase uh, gift cards and diapers and things like that, those things are, are needed. But what about people that were attending baby showers or sprinkles for families that are having a, a sibling or another child, what if they pooled funds together so that families could afford or have supplemented birth work, being able to hire a doula, whether it's postpartum or whether it's a birth doula. And by, by putting those funds together for someone to be able to afford that support, you're really sending them on their journey in a way that is so incredibly transformative, that's so incredibly important, that is reducing disparities, that is helping to create safer outcomes for birth and postpartum for families as well. And also that are helping to keep relationships that are going through the transition that is the beginning of a parenting journey. So you're really supporting the whole family and the new baby in a way that is most important by providing families with the financial support to afford a birth doula or a postpartum doula. Get to know the postpartum doulas that are in your area and the other birth workers that are in your area and help make them as visible as possible. If they are creating a mutual aid fund or if they have a mutual aid fund that tucks money away as a scholarship for families that are needing support, by all means, donate. If you can't donate, share the mess out of their post <laughs> in order to make sure that family that is in need at that time or that is in need down the line receive the support that they need without the financial barrier or the financial stress. The last part that I would say on how to support other doulas, if you find them on social media, look for them on social media, like and share their posts, tell other people about their work, about what excites you, about what it is that they're doing and become an accomplice. If you see amazing things that they're doing and you want to have something to do with it, or if there's a way that you can participate, join in the fight. 
For our curious listeners at home, is there a way to contact you? Do you have a web page, a Facebook page we could spam? <laughs> I do not have a website yet. If there's a listener out there that would like to partner with me in building my website, please contact me. <laughs> because Square and Wix are not my friend. <laughs> The best way to reach me is on Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, it's joy underscore the underscore doula, D-O-U-L-A on Instagram. And then on Facebook, you can reach me at at sign joy the doula. Um, And my page is joy the village doula, joy the village postpartum doula, LLC. I can also be emailed at on Gmail, joy the doula at gmail.com. All together, all lowercase. Oh my gosh, Joy, thank you for coming on the show today. Seriously, you are amazing. The work that birth workers are doing is amazing and important. And I just can't wait to take a peek at your socials and see other people's journeys as well. Really phenomenal, phenomenal work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have an incredible day.